What's up, loyal listeners? We've got a great show with a great guest coming up in just a few seconds. We'll get to that. I would like to ask for your help, though, really quickly, if you could support us on podcastawards.com. Please go to podcastawards.com all throughout the month, and you can nominate our show, Fantasy Football Today, in the sports and recreation category and also in the people's choice category. It is very easy. You might have to create a login, but it's a simple process. Please nominate Fantasy Football Today in the sports and recreation category and, if you'd like, in the people's choice category as well. Thank you so much. Enjoy the show. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go. Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back from your 4th of July holiday, Thursday, July 5th. We're all dragging a little bit, but we're here to talk fantasy football with a very special guest. First, let's bring on Heath Cummings. I'm Adam Azer. He's Heath Cummings. Hello, Heath. I guess you could say the fireworks are not over with our guest today. They are not. We've got the main man from Minnesota, and I couldn't think of any more M's to start the show. We got Scott Fish here. Welcome, Scott. Hey, thanks, man. That was a good enough alliteration there. I like Thank it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, a guy named Adam Azer should be able to do some good alliteration. Scott, uh, I want to wish you a happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Uh, Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, am I supposed to know what the anniversary is for? Is this uh one year from the last time I was on the show? This is 364 days from the last time you were on the show. It's kind of strange. I, I went back <laughs> to look at the, the notes from that day, and I was like, what? That was July 6th, 2017. So we've got a thing here. Right after 4th of July, Scott Fish comes on the Fantasy Football Today podcast. I like it. I like it. We we should do it every year. I think we have to now. I, I think it's a tradition. I'm in. And Heath, you had the privilege of meeting Scott. Well, first of all, Scott, if for the listeners who don't know, please introduce yourself. Tell us. Uh, we can follow you at ScottFish24, at ScottFish24 on Twitter. You're obviously a fantasy analyst. We're going to be talking about... Some of your, some of the players you're very high on. I'm going to ask you some questions. We're going to, we're going to talk fantasy football, but tell us about yourself and the Scott Fishbowl. Oh man, I have like 40 things I do. So I run this huge league called the Scott Fishbowl. It involves analysts and fans from everywhere and every site. Uh, what it does is kind of fuel this charity I run called Fantasy Cares, fantasycares.net, where we buy toys for kids for Christmas, uh, for toys for tots. This year we've raised, we will have raised very soon over $25,000 for toys for kids. Oh wow. Bam! That's awesome. Fireworks, Heath. That's fireworks right there. 25,000. That's the, the thing is, it's July 5th. I know. Yeah, like this is, this is not the end of the road here. We've got a lot of time left. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's unreal to what this has become, but it's, it's very, very amazing. I, I like to, you know, even if you're not giving a fantasy cares, I like to tell people, if you're in a fantasy league, donate one of your entries to a charity, any charity, cause, you know, you can make a big difference and there's a lot of fantasy leagues out there. And where can we find your analysis, Scott? Oh, fanball.com. I run MFL 10s. I run safe leagues, which is a commissioner service. Uh, I'm on the bull rush podcast and this Saturday, I got my own Sirius XM show. Actually, I have a co-host. I shouldn't say it's my own. <laughs> but me and Matt Harrison, our own Sirius XM show starting this Saturday, Saturday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern. That's amazing. Congratulations. I have my own podcast, Thanks. so I know what you're, what you're feeling, right? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I, I, I just appreciate you, you, let, you let me be a guest so often. Yeah, you're, oh. you know what? You're one of my favorite oh, yeah. guests, Heath. One of my favorites. One of the regulars. Um, hey, you know who's coming on later today in addition to Scott Fish? Fantasy regulators are coming on, baby. Yes. Yeah, so, I'm so glad. Yes. Yeah, Scott's a big commish issue guy. So we're going to bring up some commissioner issues. We're going to regulate. We're going to tell you what to do with your leagues. If you want to be part of the fantasy football regulators segment, just put that in the subject line of your email. Fantasy football regulators. And our email address is fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Now, it, that's uh-huh. actually something you guys have in common, just in a different way. Scott is a big commish issue guy because he handles a lot of commissioner issues. You're a big commish issue guy because there's always <laughs> issues in the league's commish. It's true. It's true. I'm a terrible commissioner uh, because I try too hard to make everybody happy, and it just ends up – you shouldn't care. Maybe rule number one is don't care too much if you're the commissioner. 
All right. I, I feel like that dude, Heath is right. Heath is on. Uh, oh, the Heath is on? After that. All right. All right. Well, we'll, see, we'll get that queued up. We'll get that queued up. So uh, I wanted, I thought it would be fun if we go back a year in time and look at some of the news and notes from the from the last Scott Fish episode. And it's kind of funny. Like these actually, uh, these actually came out to be true. Adam Schefter said he'd be hesitant to draft Ezekiel Elliott due to the domestic violence investigation. Mike Gillisley is the Patriots running back most likely to take on the Garrett Blunt's role, according to Patriots reporter Mike Reese. And Jonathan Stewart will continue to see the bulk of the carries, according to Panthers.com. That Those were the news and notes I had in the show on July 6, 2017. Heath, off-season reports, they mean something. Yeah, Mike Gillisley. Like, I hope everyone grabbed onto that nugget. Look, he got the chance. The and he got that, the chance. That report was right. Got you a week one win. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Gilly boy. All right. Well, that was fun. Now let's talk about this year's fantasy football. I'm going to throw it to our guest first, Scott Fish. Here's the category. First round pick you're nervous about. First round pick you're nervous about. Hit me with it. Oh, boy. Uh, I think it's probably, man, this is actually a pretty tough one for me. I think I'm most nervous. If you're drafting that top five, David Johnson is always going there. And that offensive line is terrible. And that offense might not be good. And also, I believe a couple episodes you mentioned how they had a top five toughest schedule. All of that scares me quite a bit. I think he he's going to be a first-round guy. But if I have a, a choice, I'm probably taking one of those other running backs. Okay, David Johnson is someone that Scott's nervous about. Heath, how about you? I think mine is probably the first-round pick we're going to put under a microscope. But I'll give another one just because I know we're going to talk about him in just a moment. Mm -hmm. I will say Alvin Kamara just because he's the next running back being taken after David Johnson, even in non-PPR ADP, according to Fantasy Pros. Sixth overall, ahead of DeAndre Hopkins, ahead of Kareem Hunt, Saquon Barkley, Melvin Gordon, all those guys. And I just hope that people aren't thinking – Kamara's going to get 20 touches a game the first four weeks, and then Mark Ingram's going to come back, and Mark Ingram's just going to be a complimentary player, and Kamara's going to be a workhorse back. That's not happening. Well, you don't think there's any chance of that? Because they, they really seem to favor Kamara down the stretch. And they didn't favor him to the point of 20 touches. But it seemed like they were kind of conceding that Kamara's their best running back. Let's give this guy a lot of work. I mean, I, I don't know that to be that, – that's what it felt like to me anyway. That was your your feeling on the situation. I he may I, I would was, not be yeah. surprised if after week four he gets more touches than Mark Ingram, but it's going to be like a fifteen fourteen split or something. And I and I don't like maybe he is the most efficient running back in NFL history, right? But right. probably not. Yeah. Okay. So so we got to vote for David Johnson. We got to vote for Alvin Kamara. My guy was David Johnson, and I'm not that worried about him in. PPR, but in non-PPR, I'd be very worried about him because just I, I've outlined it before. There's not a great history of running backs in bad offenses doing well in non-PPR format. I mean, there there are some here and there, and like Matt Forte has done it, and he caught a ton of passes. Jordan Howard's been a top ten running back in in uh, non-PPR twice in a row while being on bottom five offenses two straight seasons. But I don't want. David Johnson to be a top five running back. People are drafting, or top ten running back. People are drafting him as a top five running back. So I have concerns about him getting there. Arizona had the 25th best offense last year in terms of scoring. Yeah, I think they could be terrible, and I think he could suffer in non-PPR. So, all right, Scott Fish, you and I are on the same page. David Johnson, Boom. little little concern, little concern. Uh, would you take Kareem Hunt over David Johnson? I wouldn't. I, I mean, we're, we're this is a splitting hairs concern. I mean, these are all first rounders. I'd still take David Johnson just because of the upside, and probably because I mainly play in PPR leagues, so oh, okay. <laughs> that yeah, does that does factor. But uh, yeah, I'm still probably taking David Johnson. I'm just con more concerned than than some of those other players. All right, so we've been doing our under the microscope segment for the last few weeks, and we get this email of the day from Drew in a small southeast Indiana town. Scott, you know the Midwest, right? You gotta know Southeast uh, Indiana. Southeast Indiana town. Yeah, Scottsburg. Scottsburg. <laughs> That's not a thing, is it? It is. I looked it up just to make sure. <laughs> Scottsburg, Indiana. He says, Dear Ben, Le'Veon, Antonio, and Chris. Uh, Ooh, kicker love. Yeah, the kicker. I was like, That's the kicker? 
All right, I don't recall if you've put Leonard Fournette under the microscope yet, but are you concerned about his yards per carry? Last year, Fournette averaged 3.9 yards per carry, but if you remove his touchdowns of 90 and 75 yards, it drops down to 3.3 yards per carry. Paired with his injury history, is this a concern going forward for Leonard Fournette? Heath, we're putting Leonard Fournette under the microscope. What do you think about the yards per carry? First off, and we get emails about this every time we even mention yards per carry in passing on this podcast. So, yes, yards per carry, not a great indicator of running back back talent. And I really don't like it when we start splitting hairs and say if you take his best runs out, then he's even worse. Because I would assume assume if you take his worst runs out, then it gets better. I think that's plus how it like works. he's a he's a big bulky running back who's capable of breaking off ninety and seventy five yard touchdown runs. That actually but that actually encourages all, me. All that being said, I am a little bit concerned about Leonard Fournette because his foot slash ankle problems extend back to college. And I always get a little bit leery about any type of foot problems, but more than anything, I just I'm afraid the Jacksonville offense is not very good this year. I'm afraid that he needs a large amount of volume to justify this ADP, and I'm afraid of how the foot hangs up to that large amount of volume. Scott, you have any concerns about Leonard Fournette? Uh, I do, uh, but it might not be as big a deal as, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not super worried. The yards per carry do suck, but we're talking about a team that, what was second, first or second in, uh, running back carries last year, running back attempts. I think they're still going to do that. That defense is great. And, and remember, he lost 10 to 15 pounds. He's lighter. He's, they did. I, I generally don't, I don't love when, uh, running backs bulk up too much, but when they, uh, when they drop some weight and gave him some speed, I, I think he's, I mean, he's still to like 220, 225. He's still big enough to pound through lines. Uh, I think that might be helpful. So there's a little concern, but I, I don't have a lot. So just to be clear, I'm not taking Leonard Fournette in the first round. Neither so, am I. Yeah, he's going 12th overall, according to MFL 10 ADP. 12th overall, Leonard Fournette. So right there behind uh, Melvin Gordon, Beckham, Kareem Hunt. You know, he's either a late first round, early second round pick. I, yeah, I do have the same concerns I have about David Johnson. And the only difference is Fournette's not going to catch as many passes as Johnson. But... He was on pace for 44 catches last year, and that's not bad at all. He was also on pace for 330 carries. And if he gets 330 carries, he's he's going to be top five running back, I'd say, probably in either format. And uh, tell me if you agree with this. You know, we, we can talk about downside all we want. What, what really makes me struggle with Fournette, because I do think he's sort of easy to pass over for some of the safer guys, but I think he has number one running back upside. Because I think he could get all those carries and, and a ton of touchdowns. I think he could have a similar season to Zeke, uh, 2016. I think that's very fair. Very, very fair. I, th- yeah, I mean, any of these backs, uh, you know, all the way th- through Hunt, Fournette, Cook, they all have the upside to be the number one guy. A- absolutely. And, and even Adrian Peterson, who was constantly knocked for his inability to catch passes, had three years with over 40 catches. So, it, and Fournette, yeah, I think he could easily do that. Okay. Heath, you agree? I, I think he could do that. That's not my expectation. No, it's not my expectation. Right. We also yeah. should mention that he has now one of the best guards in football. They added Andrew Norwell. Um, they, Jacksonville scored the fifth most points last year. That included five fumbles recovered for a touchdown and two pick sixes. So <laughs> that's always fun. Uh, we got some news and notes to tell you about. Julian Edelman's four game suspension was upheld. So Scott, you listen to the podcast, you know how Heath and I feel about Julian Edelman. And by the way, at the end of, yep. at the end of our most recent show, Tuesday show, we argued about Edelman versus Larry Fitzgerald. I went back and looked at the stats, they're basically the same exact player. Um, that actually surprises me. I, I'm, I'm such a big Fitzgerald fan that that does surprise me. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I'm sure Heath's looking it up right now, but they are basically the same player. Like the last three years of Larry Fitzgerald, the last three years of Fitzgerald, compared to what Edelman's been recently, they're like the same guy. Uh, what, Man. are you team Adam or team Heath? This is a very important question. I, I think I'm gonna have to be team Heath on this. I mean, Scott I Fish, everybody, thank you for swinging by. <laughs> Get out. Go back to uh, Scottsburg. Wait, wait, wait till my Jerry Maguire take. Oh, right. oh. Um, ouch. But, uh, yeah, no, I just think, I just think Fitzgerald's upside is generally higher and it feels like he's more oh, consistent. No, no, I mean, no, no, that's not the argument, I guess. That's okay. fine. I would take, I would take Fitzgerald over Edelman. 
Um, I oh, should've, okay. I should have phrased it uh, better. I I drafted Edelman late third round in PPR, you know, weeks ago before the suspension. I think he's going to, you know, I thought at the time 16 games, 90 catches, top 17 wide receiver. Heath doesn't really feel that way. Then I did the ACL research, backed off a little bit, but I guess I'm still higher on Julian Edelman. I still think he's going to be really, really good if he's, you know, yeah. on a per-game basis. What about you? Yeah. You know, no, I, I definitely agree with that. I definitely think he's – if you can get him as your flex or your wide receiver three, that is an unbelievable steal because when he's healthy, he's going to be pretty good. I mean we got to remember that no Patriots wide receiver has had more than 300-yard games in a season since 2013. Wow. So don't expect a whole lot of big – games out of him but uh he gets a lot of targets he gets some decent games in ppr i i just want to clarify adams they've basically been they the same been. guy the same. over the last three years <laughs> um larry fitzgerald played every game in the last three okay years. yeah that's, yeah that's but different their pace julian no. edelman has scored more than six touchdowns once in his career larry fitzgerald scored less than six once in the last five years Okay, but I'm talking the last three years of Larry Fitzgerald, which is basically what we expect him to be. 105 catches, about 1,100 yards, about six touchdowns. He has touchdowns. not had 105 catches. He's 108 had more than catches, catches. Each of the last three. 108 catches, about 1,100 yards, six touchdowns. That is Let's just clarify. Very... His last three years, he has <laughs> his lowest reception total is more catches than Julian Edelman I, has ever had in a season. I expect him to have more catches. I expect Edelman to be around 90 and Fitzgerald to be around 105 to 110. But I also know that Fitzgerald's 35 years old, so it could be worse. I, I think I think Fitzgerald's better. But you look at like yards per catch, yards, touchdowns, it's not that dissimilar. Julian Edelman and, and Fitzgerald, they're pretty good comps. Julian Edelman is a poor man's Larry Fitzgerald who will not be available for the first <laughs> month of the season. You know what? <laughs> Can't argue with that. The Heath Ugh. is odd. Uh, Ruben Foster suspended for two games. Jamon Brown suspended for two games. Rams offensive lineman. They had a very good offensive line last year. He was a part of it. Two-game penalty. So I don't think we'll be downgrading Todd Gurley. And we well, probably should have led the show. Should we have led the show with this? Yeah, I don't know. 16 minutes. We're okay with that. Um this is uh Aaron Jones being suspended two games for violating the substance abuse policy. Scott Fish, there he's suspended for games against the Bears and your Minnesota Vikings. Uh what do you think about the Packers running backs now with Aaron Jones facing a two game suspension? I'm sad. Oh sad. Why? I was an Aaron Jones guy, and then I see that he bulks up and I don't love that. And then I see I see that he gets suspended suspended for two games. I don't love that. I think this is a huge opportunity for Jamal Williams at this point. And the Packers at times have, have felt like a team that if Jamal takes it, I mean, even when Aaron Jones came back, they last year they they kind of like eased him in slash didn't use him that much and just kept with Jamal Jamal Williams because it was working. I have a slight fear that might happen with this. Uh, I think Aaron Jones is the better back, but right now I'm going to love drafting Aaron Jones at the discounted price, and I think Jamal Williams' price might go up and might be a little overinflated. Heath, I'll give you a very tough exercise, but you're capable of it. I know it. I want you to do, you're doing a 12-team draft right now. Let's say it's PPR. Give me a round for all three Packers running backs, including Montgomery. That is a very tough exercise, but um, it, are you wanting where I would draft them or where I think they're going to go now? Where you would draft them. I'm assuming Jamal Williams goes first now. Jamal Williams goes first and not, not the first round. I would say he needs to go somewhere around the seventh round. Oh, that's pretty late. Um, I would six, seven turn is where I would take Jamal Williams. Okay. I would take Ty Montgomery – Somewhere around the end of round eight, early round nine. And I would take Aaron Jones. I'm, Scott's not going to like this, but I <laughs> I probably wouldn't take Aaron Jones until round 12. Okay, so you say Jamal Williams, 6-7 turn in a 12-team league. So that is like 62nd overall, I believe? That 72nd. Oh, se- oh okay. We're, very close. Yes, 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 right, 72nd overall. Uh, round nine for Ty Montgomery in PPR and round 12 for Aaron Jones. Scott, I'll give you the same exercise. You've had some time to think about it. Uh, I think, I think I would move Jamal Williams up just because that opportunity, I think he should be going in the, 
probably early eighth. I think Aaron Jones should fall back into the ninth and Ty Montgomery. I'd put closer to the 11th, 10th or 11th. So nobody really wants Ty Montgomery. It doesn't seem like it. No, it sounds like, <laughs> I, it sounds like I do by saying eighth or ninth round. Yeah, I guess so, but that's still. For the guy that started the year as their top running back, he wasn't getting a ton of carries, but he was getting a ton of touches. Um, you know, round nine. Yeah, when he was fully healthy, they really, he, he came back and he was healthy and Williams and Jones still led the Packers in touches after he was already healthy. I, I just don't love that. I, I don't blame you. And you can look at Jamal Williams and you can look at Aaron Jones and you can look at their yards per carry and think Aaron Jones is much better. 5.5 yards per carry, Jamal Williams 3.6 yards per carry. You do have to mention, though, that Jones got to play with Aaron Rodgers, and that probably would have helped Jamal Williams. He barely played with Aaron Rodgers. Um, and Jamal Williams is way better in the passing game last year. He was much, much better in the passing game. However, he didn't really play with... A fully healthy, fully engaged Ty Montgomery. So I don't, you know, I, I don't know what kind of yeah. role he's going to play in the passing game this year. Cause Montgomery and Jones both got hurt in the same game. I believe it was the Bears. I was at the Bears in week 10. And then from week 10 on, that's when it started for Jamal Williams. He had 20 carries in that game. Week 10 on, he was the guy. He, he was getting you fantasy points. He was doing a lot in the passing game. He was struggling in the run game. But yeah, I, I think I was going to say like, Look, we don't know what's going to happen. We're taking guesses now in July. This is going to really depend a lot on training camp reports, but it's got to it's got to feel different now. He so what what did you did you adjust your rankings after the two game suspension was announced? Yes, I uh, adjusted them this morning actually, and that's what I was going off to give you those that information. Okay, so it wasn't so, really a tough exercise. I was just able to look at my rankings. Well, where <laughs> where uh, where do you have Jamal Williams? Uh, I've got Jamal Williams. Just inside the top 30 running backs in PPR, I have Ty Montgomery just inside the top 40, and Aaron Jones is outside of my top 40. Would you guys rather have Jamal Williams or Marlon Mack? I Marlon, Marlon Mack. I have Marlon Mack one spot ahead of Jamal Williams. I was just looking because I'm actually in a best ball draft as, right now, an MFL 10, and Woo-hoo. it looks... It looks like Jamal Williams went with the second pick of the eighth round. Aaron Jones went with the last pick of the eighth round. I just took Marlon Mack in the middle of the ninth, and Ty Montgomery is still available. Would you rather have Jamal Williams or Sony Michelle? I'm saying Jamal Williams, but I'm a I'm a Rex Burkhead over Sony Michelle guy. I am a big Sony Michelle guy, <laughs> so Sony Michelle for me. Why are you a big Sony Michelle guy? Uh, oh man, this uh, almost goes into something we had planned on talking about later. So, oh, okay. if you want me to <laughs> want me to expound now or later? Is it the red zone stuff? No, who will be the second best rookie running? Oh, back? who will be the second best run- rookie running? Back? I don't know that we're going to have time for for the red zone analysis. But uh, Scott, why don't you tell us what you've done with with some very interesting red zone stuff? Oh, well, basically, basically with the red zone stuff, I just took a look at vacated, you know, vacated targets are a big thing, uh, you know, in the fantasy community, but I wanted to look at, you know, scoring opportunities, uh, the, the vacated rushing attempts, rushing touchdowns, uh, receiving touchdowns, receiving, uh, targets inside the 10, inside the five. And, uh, what I noticed was a lot, a lot of the teams you would expect, but teams where that, that you can exploit some value, like Miami and Seattle, try to figure out who those players are. They really haven't brought in much. Is Kenny Stills and, uh, Devontae Parker just gonna magically take up those 40 extra de- departed targets? They didn't, they only drafted Gasecki. They could take those. So I, ju- I just did some work with that. I've tweeted it out. There's, uh, some nice charts and whatnot. Yeah, actually, okay, you know what? We can spend some time on it because it's very interesting. Heath, what's going to happen in the red zone for the Dolphins? I think that we're going to see more red zone opportunities for Parker and for Stills. You're going to get a little bit, I expect, for Danny Amendola and Albert Wilson. I, I'm i not a huge Kaseki guy, and it does not sound like he's done much to impress so far in Miami. I would expect it's a boost and I have a hard time. I go back and forth between Parker and Stills and who I think is going to be the best there this year. But I, I think there's a good chance either both of them are going to slightly outperform their draft position or one of them is just going to be an enormous value. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about a team that lost 14 red zone touchdowns last year and over 40 targets. 
somebody's got to take them up if that offense is even going to be remotely similar. And as you mentioned a few weeks ago, they have a top five schedule, top five easiest schedule. Mm-hmm. And for Seattle, Jimmy Graham caught 10 touchdown passes last year. So what happens there, guys? Scott, what do you think about uh, the Seattle Seahawks? They've got Ed Dixon now at oh, tight end. Man. Yeah, they've got a new running back. That should help. What happens in the red zone for the Seahawks? Yeah. Honestly, it could just, it could just be an overall split for everybody, <laughs> everybody going up a little. Baldwin going up a little. Rashad Penny, I think, is going to be better in the red zone than people think, and he can catch out of the backfield very well. So, um, it, maybe it just maybe it's just really helpful for for Penny and Baldwin. I, I have a lot of trouble investing in some other guys. There's guys like Darbo who are big targets that that might come in, but I'm not I'm not investing in Dixon. Um. Uh- why can't Brandon Marshall do what Jimmy Graham did? He's basically a tight end. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I I know. I knew you were going to bring that up. People brought that up on Twitter. There's there there's definitely that potential. I'm more in the line of I kind of think Brandon Marshall's done personally. Yeah. But, oh, I uh, think he, he's totally done if you ask him to play receiver or try to run faster than someone else. I'm not so right. sure that but he's can done. He, can he yeah. jump? So well, what are you predicting then? He's going to get cut then. If he, if he can't run faster than anyone or play receiver, they're going to cut him. They didn't cut Jimmy Graham. He couldn't run last year. But he's an actual tight end. I know he doesn't really block, but he's going to be better at that. No, he doesn't than, block at all. He's, he's going to be better Marshall than Brandon Marshall. He's bigger than Brandon Marshall. He could, Brandon Mar- I don't know. I haven't I haven't weighed Brandon Marshall lately, but <laughs> it looks like he ballooned a little bit his last year in New York. <laughs> well, you know, when you're hurt, you can't <laughs> exercise. It's not good. All right, so Scott, yeah, follow him on Twitter at scottfish twenty four. Check out those really cool charts. Um, I thought they were actually very, very interesting uh, and uh, very helpful as well. All right, email of the day number two, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. John from – oh, another Midwestern city. John from a city in northwest Ohio, Scott. Uh, wow, I don't know city. Uh, um, oh, defiance? Wow. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> You're no Dave Richard. Dear Lip, I'm terrible at this. Dear Lip, Fiona, Frank, and Ian – and those are, of course, characters on the hit show Shameless, which is very good. Which player or players are you ashamed to love? Well, it sounds like I should be ashamed to love Aaron Jones, doesn't it? <laughs> Maybe. I had uh, trouble with this. I don't know. I think I think I'm a little, still a little ashamed of my love for for JJ. <laughs> I I think he's going to be a solid 15 touch guy, and uh, I was dead wrong on him last year. I think I was okay with him the year before, but uh, I still love him, and I feel like 15 touches in a top scoring, like we're talking a top three to five scoring offense, the Eagles are probably going to be. I'm I'm I hate telling people that I still love a JJ, but I do. I was actually thinking about him, to be quite honest with you. Heath, do you have anyone? Uh, I've got a few of them. Like, well, I could say Gio Bernard, but I'm not ashamed of that. I'm, I'm very proud. <laughs> that you should be, Pro- uh, you should be humiliated by that. I'm proud of my Gio Bernard love. Oh, what a useless, um, what a useless player. What do you mean, what a useless player? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's, a, he's not gonna score. He'd probably have a couple of all pro belts already if it wasn't for the fact that they kept feeding the corpse of Jeremy Hill. Okay, I'm looking, I'm looking in the future and the present right now, and I know that they invested a lot in Jeremy and Joe Mixon. They're gonna turn him loose. Gio Bernard is a useless player. He's not a useless player at all. He's probably going to be once again a top 30 running back in PPR. Who cares? I don't care about a top 30 running back. Well, that's because you're clearly not playing in deep enough leagues. I mean, okay, fair. If I, you know what? I am not playing a deep enough leagues. <laughs> Who else are you ashamed to uh to love? Um, like probably Ben Roethlisberger. I like that call. I like that call. For a variety of reasons. Ooh, I got a quarterback too. <laughs> alright, alright, hit me with it. Andrew Luck. I went on a show the other day and I said I think he's playing 16 games, and I think he's going to be a top 12 to thir- 12 to 15 quarterback pretty easily. Um, well, that's not that's if, not if very like, bold. Well, how that's, bold do you want me to get? I mean, if Andrew, Luck, I'll tell you what: if Andrew Luck plays 16 games, he's going to be a top six quarterback. No, I'm I'm fine with that too. I, I guess I didn't need to be bold on that. I'm, but I am ashamed to ashamed of my love for him because every time I bring it up, people hate on it. The listeners are shaming my Derrick Henry love for sure. I, I've got a lot of receivers. Uh, Michael I Crabtree. Be- I think it's because of the way I go about my rankings, and for some reason, at receiver, 
I end up with more of these guys that I think are probably going to end up justifying my ranking of them, but nobody wants to draft them. <laughs> like who? Michael Crabtree, right. Richard Matthews, um, Alan Hearns, Kelvin Benjamin. That's a that's a good start. No, honestly, I mean, it's really an interesting philosophy because you don't always have to go with the upside guy. Those guys probably don't have huge upside, but they do have huge opportunity to just be start-worthy every week, you know? Like, they're not going to hurt you. Right. And I would I would say that Alan Hearns has already demonstrated upside in the past. I don't know why you care about that. Like, he, we all know... <laughs> It, 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 we all know that that season, like, just, it was such a fluke. It was a worst, it was a terrible contract. It's it, it just so, it's so far in the past. He's not that good and you know it. I think he might be better than Julian Edelman this year. <laughs> I'm not playing, <laughs> I'm not playing the music for that. I'm not playing. Let's, music. let's do the, uh, let's do the, uh, the bet. Alan Hearns or Julian Edelman? Yeah. What's the format? I, you choose. Oh, I mean, if I'm choosing, then it's PPR. Okay. Who scores more PPR points this year? Uh, yes. And I'll even give you the four games. All right. Okay. We'll, we'll discuss the terms later, but I'll take Alan Hearns. <laughs> you get Julian Edelman. Yes. Oh, that was fun. All right. Good stuff. Wow. I'm excited for that. Good email. Good email. Thank you. All right. Hey, that was a pretty good one. These are going to be even better. So, Scott, tell us about uh, your your commissioner questions that you field. Oh, sure. I, I have a podcast called Commissioner Impossible. Commission Impossible. Wow. And, <laughs> and all, all we basically do recently is just answer commission quest, commissioner questions because we get, I think we had 15 pages of emails of commissioner questions. Whoa. Uh, love doing it. Ryan McDowell and I host that show. It's, it's a lot of fun and we found it's, you know, something that's not talked about as much in the industry is that, you know, commissioners need help too. They want to, they want us to figure out how, you know, help them figure out how to make their leagues even more fun or, you know, settle disputes like your regulators do um, and things like that. It's, it's a lot of fun. Well, you know, so far the early returns on the, on the regulators, uh, the questions aren't quite as juicy as they're going to be in season, but that's, I expect that. That's fine, but let's give it a shot. Let's do a segment here with uh, with Commission Possible himself. Let's do some fantasy regulation, and we begin with Teddy from Colorado. It's time to regulate. My league did not have a team makeup requirement last year, so a few of us did not draft a kicker, DST, and some didn't draft a tight end, choosing to spend those slots on wide receiver and running back. We immediately got told this goes against the spirit of the game, and we're told we had to pick up those empty slots off waivers immediately. Do you think there should be roster build requirements at the draft? And also, my league is a bunch of babies, right? Uh, first off, uh, they should have set roster build requirements uh, before the draft, absolutely. But since they hadn't, I don't think <laughs> I think the commissioner is absolutely in the wrong here. <laughs> you followed the rules. You 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 exploited what was may have been a loophole or maybe not. But there's not a spirit of the game issue here. There are so many different leagues. Some don't play with kickers and defenses. None of mine do. So. It, <laughs> in my in my humble opinion, the commissioner is wrong here. I don't know that I'd call them babies, but it should have been set before the wasn't. You should be fine. The real the thing that Scott is going to struggle with a little bit here is his niceness. Yeah, I know. I, yes. I was thinking like we're regulators. They're a bunch of crybabies. Yeah, what Scott, do you think? You know what? If the commissioner sent me an email saying you must pick up a kicker or what? Are you going to make me forfeit my preseason matches? No, it's not in the rules. <laughs> I'll pick one up before week one. Do NFL teams, are they required to carry a kicker through the offseason? Of course not. Yeah, Scott, what do you think Nate Dogg and Warren G would say right now? You think they'd say, oh, yeah, he's wrong, he's not a baby. No, come on, regulate, dude. Yeah, yeah. They <laughs> Drop the hammer. Call your commission baby, tell him you're not going to do it. <laughs> All right, there and we the go. And the positional limits are terrible. From Dennis. I had a dispute last season. I wanted your opinion. This is weird. I never heard this one before. I had a three for two trade accepted. And since the other, oh, the other team did not drop a player, the trade did not go through. So I had a three for two trade accepted. And since the other team did not drop a player, the trade did not go through. The commissioner then said that it was indeed not, not the right thing to do. However, technically allowed. 
I argue that as commissioner, he can drop the last player on the other team's bench and put the trade through manually, but he did not agree. Please tell me I should feel aggrieved that this trade did not get completed. Well, I, I've experienced this many times as a commissioner, and every single time as a commissioner, I mean, that's job. I reach out and tell them, hey, you got to drop a guy or just rework the trade so that you're adding the 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 worst player or whatever to the trade and make it a three for three trade if you're holding on to those tight roster requirements. Personally, I think the commissioner is just not fully doing his job here, but I can kind of understand where he's coming from. And the, the teams probably should have just tried to rework the trade as a three for three, including the, you know, end of bench player. There you go. That's regulating. Keith, one way or another, this trade has to go down. This is a, this is a cowardly way to get out of a trade. Yeah, what I would have done if I was the commissioner, and this is probably a little bit of a league settings issue as well, because it sounds like the league settings are not allowing the trade to go through until someone is dropped. Cause I would have just pushed the trade through. Whoever got the three players would have an illegal roster until they dropped someone and just forfeit next week. I love it. That's that's that's, that's the way all my leagues are. All right, Drew from Southeast Indiana, the last one. Dear Joey, Matt, Kobayashi, and Kazutoyo. Those I think they they're gotta hot, be hot dog eaters, right? Yeah, yeah hot dog yeah. eaters. Southeast Indiana again. Wonder if he hangs out with the Drew from the first email. <laughs> I think so. I oh, think it's probably the same Drew. Oh wow, did I read an email from already from Drew? Oh wow. Drew, congratulations. You're the star of the show. Good you question. you have bumped Scott Fish off the marquee. You are now the star of today's show. But now we, I'm just wondering if Drew actually sent both of these emails or yeah, if that was have. a copy and paste mistake. No. No, I mean one they're completely different emails. Oh, oh, you mean with the names? Yeah. Um no, I think they're the same guy. Same guy. All right. All right. My 12-team league is having a difficult time coming up with a way to determine our draft order. The last few years, we were all in college and had a beer pong set up. We had someone mark the bottom of cups with numbers, and the cup you hit was the order you could select your pick. That's pretty cool, by the way. Now, with everyone gone, we are running into problems. We missed out on the World Cup and the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest yesterday. I was wondering if you had any suggestions how to set a draft pick order. Scott Fish. Wow. Uh, I'm, I'm so bad at this. I generally just do random things or there's gotta be like a, a PGA tournament coming up where you can each pick golfers, right? Something like that, maybe. Yeah. NASCAR, uh, maybe. I don't know the NASCAR yeah. season, but that could work. How many guys are going to be in the home run derby this year? Probably eight. That's not enough. No. Mm. That's a good call though. I, oh gosh, I would, I would, I would manipulate it so that like the last place teams, the last four teams from last year, they get the, like they don't get to pick. They don't, they're not in this, and then use the home run derby because that is such a great idea. But if you want a yeah, better, there's, there's got to be some way you can figure out the home run derby to make that work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, okay, so we're going with. Home we did run a really derby. bad job on this one. Did we? Uh, P.S. Who would win a hot dog eating contest from the Fantasy Football Today crew? My money is on Heath. Oof. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've done some competitive eating in the past, um, but it was not hot dogs. It was pizzas. I did a pancake eating contest. I did some uh, ice cream stuff, which is rough, um, but I've never done hot dogs. I, I would say it would probably come down to Dave and I. Yeah, I, I would pick Dave, but I agree it would be between the two of you. i got to say something. I know you're not going to believe me. I'm five foot nine, 144 pounds or whatever. I think I, I would win the pizza eating contest. I know I've said this before on the show and I've been mocked. I'm telling you, like, I, I could really put down a lot of pizza. But I think what, where people get confused when it comes to eating and competing against someone else, this has nothing at all to do with how much food you can comfortably eat or how much food you want to eat or your <laughs> desire to eat a lot of pizza. This is pure misery. And this is all about toughing it out not throwing up, and making your body do something it does not want to do. That doesn't sound like Adam Azer to me. I don't throw up. Like I have an, I have an iron stomach. I, I don't throw up. I think you would just quit as soon as you didn't like it anymore. Really? <laughs> Scott, you think that I'm that kind of guy? Oh, man, I don't know. I... <laughs> That's fine. No, you know what? You're probably right. Yeah, I can't say you're here, wrong. Here's the thing. Can, you can you hold out just long enough for everybody else to stop eating though? I don't know. I, I will say that when I was a kid, two of my two of my most cherished memories were the day I quit soccer 
and the day I quit baseball. It was just getting way too hard, <laughs> and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. The field got way too big for soccer, and baseball, they started throwing curveballs. I just was like, not into that. I'm quitting. I'm going to go play Nintendo. So you know what? Yeah, you're probably right. I, I wouldn't win I the like pizza that contest. I love how it isn't just a memory for you or something that happened. It's something you actually cherish. Yeah, great quitting pride. those leagues. Great pride. Can't wait to teach a future child the joy of quitting. Well, I think uh I think it's time to look at some Scottish rankings, Heath. What do you think? In. You're in? Yikes. Okay. So um what I've learned is that Scott, a big Vikings fan, he loves Dalvin Cook and he loves Kyle Rudolph, and that means we have I am smart. SMRT. I mean, S-M-A-R-R-T. A homer alert. We have a homer <laughs> alert for sure. <laughs> um, you think David Cook, uh, look, to be honest with you, you're, you came to the right place because you know he's one of Heath's breakouts. Um, Dalvin Cook, you got big, high expectations for. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I started doing some projections on some players. I, I haven't done it for a few years, but I have Dalvin right in the 1500 yard range, seven touchdowns and about 50 receptions. Uh, which would put him, you know, smack dab right there as a first round pick. I think he's my sixth running back right now, sixth or seventh. Is there anything not to like about Dalvin Cook? We really like him. It's just, it's just the ACL, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think, I, I, I mean, uh, if we go back in Vikings ACL history, if, if we just use that small sample size of, you know, Adrian Peterson, Dalvin Cook's going for 2,000 yards this year. That's what I assume. <laughs> All right. I, honestly, we've talked so much about him recently. I think uh, you're not going to get much argument here, but you might get some argument on Kyle Rudolph. All right. What do you expect from Kyle Rudolph? Uh, I, I haven't done tight end projections, but I expect him to be top five and and maybe even above Evan Ingram because I think there's a chance Evan Ingram is the one that takes a step back from that Giants offense. Um with OBJ returning and Barkley jumping in, I think Ingram is still going to be good, but I think he might take a step. I think Rudolph, with the the addition of DiFilippo, who you know utilized the tight end. I know he's the quarterback coach, but he used they utilized the tight end a ton in Philly. And Cousins, who loves the tight end, I just feel like with Diggs and Thielen and Dalvin Cook. Rudolph is going to find some openings, and he was already a decent red zone guy. I, th- I think that Cousins is going to start to depend on him, and he'll he'll be probably a top five guy this year, probably maybe even number three or four. Heath, I don't have him top five, but I do have him ahead of Evan Ingram, so that kind of counts as an agreement. I I, I don't really disagree with anything Scott said. My only fear would be volume because of all those weapons that he mentioned. Right. I've got him right behind Jimmy Graham and Greg Olson as my number six tight end. And I like he falls to me in the seventh and eighth round a lot of time, and I'm I'm very happy just not taking a tight end until then or later. So, my thoughts on Kyle Rudolph really just sort of reflect how I feel about the position. I could see him being a top five tight end, and yet I have absolutely no enthusiasm to draft him. Uh, you you feel sounds Scott like you feel like he has some upside. I don't really feel like he's that good, and I don't feel like that there there are more than three tight ends that I'm really excited about. I was on Jake Seeley's podcast earlier this morning. We were talking about this very issue because we were talking about Trey Burton, and he thought it was crazy that people were drafting Trey Burton ahead of Kyle Rudolph, and I said I agree with it because Burton has a chance to be not – I don't think he has a chance to be great for a whole season, but, you know, spurts of greatness. And I feel like Rudolph is just sort of going to be there. He's not going to be that much better than the guys you stream. He just sort of exists like other tight ends. I don't, I don't know. He, he, was, <laughs> he was the number six tight end last year in non-PPR. He was number eight in PPR. The year before that, he was top three, but he had so many targets. He had 132 targets, and the stat I gave last year when I thought he was going to be a bust was that Rudolph led all tight ends in targets in 2016, and he finished um, with – okay, he had 132 targets. I looked at the five previous years and the tight ends with 120 or more targets in those five years, and only one of them had fewer fantasy points than Kyle Rudolph had in 2016. So bottom line is I felt he needed a ton of targets to be really good, and he didn't get them last year, and he wasn't that good. So that's just I just kind of feel like there are three difference makers, and then there are some other guys who we hope can be difference makers at the position, and I think Rudolph is after that group. Extremely Chris Towers voice. We've never seen Trey Burton as a full-time player. He could be anything. He could even be Kyle Rudolph. <laughs> but he could be better than Kyle Rudolph. Why? <laughs> Why? Because I think he's more talented than Kyle Rudolph. 
Why would you think that though? He's been a bench player for four years. Behind, yes, behind a very good tight end, behind a great tight end, in fact. I just think Rudolph is kind of like, uh, you know, whatever, whatever kind of not. He's not average. He's better than average. But in terms of like fantasy relevant tight ends, he's kind of average. Burton, I think, uh, is more of a playmaker. You don't, you don't agree. I like I. I think Trey Burton is a very nice end of the draft. Man, I hope he turns into a good tight end. I don't see any reason to elevate his upside above Kyle Rudolph's upside. When Kyle Rudolph just a year and a half ago was coming, like, 83, 840 and targets. 7. 132 targets. Right. You know Earning he's not 132 that. targets is a positive. You know he's not getting that though. You don't get well, no, I don't know that. I don't know what the health of Stephon targets. Diggs or Adam Thielen's going to be. All right, so I don't know what the health of Allen Robinson's going to be. Probably bad. Okay, so that's point <laughs> Trey Burton. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, that's a little disagreement there on Kyle Rudolph. And uh, Scott hates Brandon Cooks with a pa- with a furious passion. I feel like I was this guy last year when I had him lower in my rankings than anyone, but it goes back to a lot of film watchers have mentioned how Goff just does not look over that way, did not look over that way with Watkins. Uh, Greg Cosell mentioned that, uh, has mentioned that a few times. And Woods became Goff's safety blanket. They, even, even when Woods was out and Cup was racking up targets, the second Woods got back, he kept soaking up those targets. I think there's just a trust there and he showed how much he loved Cup in the, in the red zone. I believe he had 19 or 20. Red zone targets last year. Uh, I don't know that that's going to go away because that's not really who Brandon Cooks is. Uh, so I think Brandon Cooks is going to have good games. I think he's going to, you know, at least probably do right around what Watkins did and probably have a couple of huge games because that's who, that's what Brandon Cooks does. But for consistency sake and maybe even overall stats, I have him third among Rams wide receivers in, in my rankings. Heath, how do you rank the Rams wide receivers? I have Cooks first and I don't feel good about it. Um I like the problem that I have that I will agree with Scott on is that they largely used Sammy Watkins as a decoy for huge chunks of last year. They are going to face some extremely talented defensive backs this year. If they plug him into that Sammy Watkins role, then he is at the very best a low-end number two wide receiver, which is where I have him ranked right now at his ceiling in that circumstance. And he's probably more like a flex. Mm-hmm. But I currently have him ahead of Woods and then Woods ahead of Cup. I just think McVeigh obviously had a um, a lot of attraction to Brandon Cooks. He, he wanted – that was his guy. I expect they're going to treat him differently. Yeah, that's I, I hear so many good arguments against Brandon Cooks, like what Scott just said. I I get it. I what what is the struggle for me is what they gave up to get him. And they have the twenty fourth most pass attempts in the NFL last year. They could throw more. I mean this could be cut, sort of a coming out party for Jared Goff. Nobody had even a hundred targets on that team. And I, I just kinda feel like Cooks is a better receiver than Cup and, and Woods. That doesn't necessarily matter, but you know, I kind of feel like he's the best player. He's the best, most talented receiver on that team. I struggle with this one. I really do. I might, I might be avoiding the Rams wide receivers. I, I probably will. I have Cooks, like I said, as a low end number two, and I cannot disagree with anything Scott said. Right. All right. So let's uh, let's ask some more questions for Scott Fish and finish with some emails at fantasyfootball@cbsi.com. We have some football questions. We have some non-football questions. Scott, who will be the second best rookie running back? Oh. For me, this is Sonny Michelle, and I, I understand the arguments for Ronald Jones, who could be the starter, you know, the starter there, and he has really no competition, and and guys like Darius Guy and stuff, who they're loving in Washington. But for me, uh, it's Michelle because I'm a Michelle over Burkhead guy. The the Patriots, they had the second most fantasy points to the running back position last year. They're a top five offense. Uh, there's just so much to love, and Michelle can play on all three downs, in my opinion. Uh, I think he's going to be a better pass catcher than people think. And uh, even in the Corey Dillon years, the Patriots, you know, went one running back 
quite a bit. It, they moved up in the draft to get him. I just think there's, there's a lot of, a lot of potential there for Michelle to be that guy. Deion Lewis was on pace at the end of last season. He had a stretch where he was like a top 12 running back. There's, there's a lot, there's a lot to like if, if Michelle can take on that role. Next question for Scott Fish. Who will be the best rookie wide receiver? I think the safe pick is Calvin Ridley. I, I think really? that. What was that? Yeah, I'm surprised that that's being called the safe pick because DJ Moore feels like the safe pick to me. Did you say best or second best? Oh, you said best. The best See, rookie I'm, wide receiver. I'm still stuck. I'm still stuck on the rookie running back question. No, no, no. I have DJ Moore one with a bullet among wide receivers. Okay. The second pick is where it gets interesting between Ridley and Kirk and Miller and Gallup. I have DJ Moore easily the 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 top wide receiver. Do do I need to even go into reasons why? I think he's going to be the starter there. <laughs> I think that uh I think that he's got lots of opportunity in Carolina and they already love him in camp. Ben Roethlisberger or Carson Wentz? Carson Wentz. I, what? I just, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I like that. I know they both have good offenses. I know that the Pittsburgh Steelers schedule is, is tougher, at least, uh, at least early on. But yeah, uh, Carson Wentz, just what he did last season, I think, I don't know. There's something about this Eagles offense that is tough to stop. And I, I think Le'Veon Bell, he, he's still, He's still just an awesome running back. He might he might soak up a lot of that, you know. So, uh, give me Wentz, but honestly, it's close. We're splitting hairs. I think I have Roethlisberger like nine or something, and Carson Wentz like five or six. Heath, I have Carson Wentz at twelfth, and that's only because I've been pressured into moving him up. I am not still convinced yet that he is going to be one hundred percent for Week One. I am very, very convinced that he is going to regress from last year's touchdown rate. I don't expect he's going to run as much as he did. And like the main concern that I have for Ben Roethlisberger is will he stay healthy for 16 games? Right now, that's a bigger concern for Carson Wentz than it is for Roethlisberger. I think the health is valid. But I mean, even Foles came in there and was, was really, really fantasy good. Yeah. Um, I mean, I th- maybe Foles is Wentz regression, you know, like I, I don't think the regression is going to be that big, but the, the injury is fair. The injury concern is fair. He may, I mean, I believe he's running and throwing already, but it's fair that he, you know, they might take their time with him. All right. That's it for the football questions. Here are the non-football questions for Scott. And I asked you last year, what is your favorite food? I think this is a little bit different of a question. If you could eat only one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Uh, Probably pepperoni pizza, I guess, or bacon cheeseburger. It's got to be one of those two. Heath, if you could those eat only are... one food for the rest of it, well, no, 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 no. I'm gonna, I, you can't pick two. Okay, pick one. bacon cheeseburger. Bacon, bacon cheeseburger. cheeseburger. All right, Heath, how about you? Sorry, I had to regulate there. Oh man, like I'm, I'm thinking about this from a lifespan perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bacon cheeseburger. Scott's out of here in like two years. Yeah. I mean, I've only got the terrible one. It's better than the pizza for sure. Um, one food for the rest. I guess I'll just go with steak. You guys are dead. Like, you can't just eat red meat every, <laughs> twice a day. Uh, oh, you want to bet? I mean, I'm, was it supersize me? Um, I'm going to go with a chicken burrito. I'm going to go with a chicken burrito. They're delicious. You get a little protein. I will say the, get some whatever rice. you're wrapping that chicken burrito in is worse for you than red meat. Are you kidding me? Then can I get a whole wheat Factual. chicken burrito? No, it, incorrect. 100% incorrect. <laughs> uh, Scott Fish, would you rather watch nine innings of baseball or an entire CFL football game? Oh, CFL football game. Easily. Uh, unless the baseball is live and I have beer, then I, I think maybe, maybe the baseball game, but <laughs> probably CFL football game. Wow. I think Scott hit on the right answer there. The answer is baseball in person, CFL on TV. Scott, would you rather watch... Nine innings of baseball or three hours of sex in the city? Three hours of sex in the city. No, I'm just probably <laughs> baseball. I gotta tell you, like, now that I'm married, I, I watch a lot of shows that I never thought I'd watch before, and some of them are okay. Sex in the city mm-hmm. is terrible. It's Yeah, terrible. I watched the entire series with my wife. I, I know where you're at. <laughs> Heath? Heath, you in on this? I have never seen an episode of Sex in the City. You're a lucky man. You are a lucky man. Scott Fish, what is the best sitcom ever? Ooh. Uh, animated, probably, animated or non-animated? 
You know what? I know a lot of people hate on the later later seasons, but I think the finale and I think it redeemed itself. I'm, I think I'm going to still stick with The Office. Oh, The Office over Seinfeld and Simpsons and Cheers. I, I love Seinfeld. I love Parks and Rec. Arrested Development was amazing when it was on live. Yeah. Um, but I, The Office has the most rewatchability for me. And I'm factoring in rewatchability. I have been watching a lot of Office reruns lately. Heath, what's the best sitcom ever? I think Scott was right. Yeah. I I mean, I'm a Simpsons guy. I'm always going to take that. People might not consider that a sitcom, but uh, I think you got to go Seinfeld over The Office. Office is pretty amazing, though. And Scott, what is, what is the third best Adam Sandler movie? Third best Adam. Well, yeah, we we know we know one and two are Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, in some order. What is the third best Adam Sandler movie? Oh wow, Uh, I kind of want to IMDb Adam Sandler right now to figure out what his third best was. I probably would have said Happy Gilmore. Waterboy's got to be up there. You got a Big Daddy. You got the Wedding Singer. I think I'm just gonna go Waterboy because that's the one that came to my head first, which means I must you know watch it enough and like it enough. Yeah. Plus, it's it's a football movie, right? Yeah. It's much more of a football movie than Jerry Maguire. Much more of a football movie. So, what is your <laughs> stupid Jerry Maguire take? No, I I don't I don't really have a hot take. <laughs> I just I just brought it up earlier. Right? You know, if I had to lean one way, I'd probably lean towards it being a football movie, just because if you think about movies like Draft Day or like. Uh, for football or, or Moneyball for baseball. There's like almost no baseball or football in those, but they're categorically classified as those. That's because the um, baseball matters. It, it's a, the, the record of the team, the outcome of the team, it matters. Yeah, football doesn't matter. Right. It, it, we don't care. I have no hot, I have no hot take on the Jerry Maguire. If you tell me you think it's a rom-com and not a football movie, I'm fine with that. I, don't I let him push you around, in, Scott. <laughs> I, I probably here. throw it in the football category myself, but but I have no qualms with not thinking it is. Ugh. America just does not know how to evaluate a movie. It's just I, I, they need my help. Let's read some emails. <laughs> Nick from uh, Lake Pennsylvania. I don't know how to pronounce that other word, so I'm just going to say Pennsylvania. This is the first year my long-term fantasy league decided to do a keeper. Should I keep Derrick Henry in the 11th or Josh Gordon in the 10th? Scott. Henry in the 11th or Gordon Oof. in the 10th? Oh, man. I'd probably keep Henry in the 11th just because wide receivers feel readily more replaceable. Like, there are a lot of receivers and, uh, yeah, I'd probably, and, and plus it's an extra round, I guess. I, I like them both, but I'd probably keep Henry. Heath? Yeah, and this one might come down to non-PPR or PPR, but I'm, I'm, think I'm keeping Henry. Okay, we got an email from Rory from the North. Keeper League, who do I keep? Deshaun Watson in the 20th round or Josh Gordon in the 20th round? I can only keep them for two more seasons. Watson in the 20th or Gordon in the 20th? Josh Gordon. I I just think that, you know, the the one thing you have to remember with Gordon is that he could be one infraction away from never playing football again. So that is a little scary in a Keeper League. But you're going Gordon over Watson. How about you, Scott? my thing, and maybe maybe I'm wrong, but like, if this is not a dynasty league, it's different in a keeper league. You're gonna have six or seven good options to keep after this year because you're going to do a good job of drafting. Either one of these players, you can easily redraft in the draft. So I think I'd feel better keeping Gordon just because if I miss Watson, there's a bunch of other quarterbacks I can get. I, yeah, I'd probably go with Gordon in this one. It's a 20th rounder. I mean, you're good either way. Yeah, that's true. James from a town in north north of Los Angeles. James is from San Francisco. I tried a new strategy in a recent mock draft. 12-team standard scoring league. I had the fourth pick. So he says, I call it zero wide receiver. Well, you know, a lot of people use that term. But he let, how do you like this zero wide receiver team? He's got Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. He's got Evan Ingram at tight end. David Johnson, Jordan Howard, Jarek McKinnon. David Johnson, Jordan Howard, and Jarek McKinnon, also C.J. Anderson at running back. Brandon Cooks, Randall Cobb, Julian Edelman, Sammy Watkins, Cameron Meredith. Um, so again, the wide receivers are Cobb, Edelman, Cooks, sorry, Cooks, Cobb, Edelman, Watkins, and Cameron Meredith. Got great running backs, but, and a, a top tight, top, top quarterback, Evan Ingram tight end, excuse me, but are the wide receivers good enough? Cooks, Cobb, Edelman, Watkins, and Cameron Meredith. 
I, I personally like this, what, what he's done here. I'm not sure it's, it's because of the zero wide receiver strategy, waiting on wide receivers and grabbing those other players, but the way the draft fell for him, I really like it. And I'm, I said before how I feel wide receivers are replaceable. It's, I think he's got some really good ones and also he can, he can play the waiver wire like crazy and, and just keep filling in that third wide receiver spot and start two of the, yeah, I think this is really, what he's done is really good. I'm not sure it's because of the zero wide receiver strategy, but, uh, it was a good draft for him. Cool. You know what would be fun with him? Just with what you've just said, I have this, uh, best ball team that I'm in the process of drafting. It really took a bad turn in the third round when I auto drafted Mark Ingram overnight. Uh, Scott Fish is going to hate this team, and I want to hear him try to say something nice about it. <laughs> this is a problem with me. I try to be way too nice at times. So my running backs are Mark Ingram, Lamar Miller, Carlos Hyde, and Marlon Mack. Oof. My receivers <laughs> are DeAndre Hopkins, Keenan Allen, Demarius Thomas, and Jarvis Landry. Greg Olson is my tight end. Wow. Um, well, Wilson could easily be a top seven tight end. DeAndre Hopkins and Keenan Allen are two of my top five wide receivers. And most of those running backs are pretty much starters for their own team. So I, I think you got a pretty solid squad there. Nicest guy in the business, Scott uh, Fish. No, I, I actually agree. Uh Scott Fish, thank you for coming on, man. I mean, it's no, it's no wonder that you run a freaking fantasy football charity to help kids. Fantasycares.net if you're interested. Fantasycares.net. That is Scott Fish at Scott at Scott Fish twenty four on Twitter. Thank you for coming on. We will talk to you in a year, hopefully sooner, but certainly a year from now. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Adam. All Thanks right. for having me. Great stuff from and Scott Heath. and from Heath. <laughs> Absolutely, the two nicest guys in the business. I'm Adam Azer. Or, or, or the polar opposites. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I was talking about me and Scott. Uh, I, I'm Adam Azer. <laughs> we'll talk. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you on Monday. <laughs>